Well, here we are. It's a beautiful day. Um, we're going to get into some really deep stuff. So, first of all, get out your Bibles. And then if you have a notebook or maybe a cell phone, the note part of your you know, cell phone, just get typing because we're going to go kind of quick here. We also have this recorded so you can go over it. But we're going to talk about the whole story of the Bible. Amen? And it, when it comes to the battle between Satan and God today. So it's going to be kind of an epic uh, sermon. Amen? Which, you know, every sermon should be epic. But this one especially, hopefully, will be very, very encouraging for you. So we're going through a series called Life, Death, and Beyond. And uh, we are now in the death portion of this series. We're in, in the understanding of how Jesus overcame death. You know, every day, so many people die in this world. Amen? And every single day, so many people are born into this world. And, and there's three times as many people that are born in this world now than die. And so our population is extremely, uh, it's, just, it's just booming right now. It's booming, you know. The estimates are there will be 8 million in a couple years, and then 9 million in 5 more years after that, and then 7 more years there will be 10, I didn't, I didn't say million, billion people living on the planet. Imagine 10 billion people living on the planet. Jesus, come back. Do you know what I mean? So that, that gives us a great opportunity to, to, to save many more people, amen? Uh, but it also gives us that, that, the challenge of reaching more people. So there, there's not, you know, sharing our faith in this generation is so important. But we're going to talk about something that I think is so important to us. And that is Christ's victory over death. Christ's victory over death. And, and because of his victory, you have victory over death. And that victory can change your life now. It's not going to just change your life when you die. It needs to change your life now, amen? And so we're going to talk about that as well. We're going to talk about Christ's victory and then our victory and how we need to walk on this earth as victors, amen? As victorious people. Um, so let's get into it. So there's a book that's out there called Christus Victor. I don't know, who's heard of that book before? Come on! I can always count on you, <laughs> Becca, to get deeper in, in, than... than than most normal folk. But this is a book wrote, written in 1930s that was about basically, it was combating the Protestant uh, theology. And essentially, we are in America. Amen? Did you know you were in America? And because of that, there's two influences that you have. Western Christianity is being hammered on you all the time. And there's two sides of this Western Christian. This is the Catholicism, and then there's the Protestant, you know, Reformation. Both are wonderful things that have helped Christianity a ton, but only give half of the story. Okay? You know, uh, the, the fact that Jesus went on the cross and died for us in our place is certainly a huge part of the gospel. Amen? And that's what we hear all the time, that Christ took our place, that Christ, all the, the sins of the world were, were in his body on the tree. Amen? First Peter chapter 2. 
But we also haven't heard about the victory over death. And often, even in our cross study, we don't even talk about the resurrection, which is going to change, amen? We're going to change up our studies because we need to talk about the resurrection more, amen? And we need to talk about the victory over death. Christ, Christ's victor basically entails a passion of God, a story of God triumphing over the powers and liberating humanity from the bondage of sin. The work of Christ is first and foremost a victory over the powers which hold mankind in bondage. Sin, death, and the devil. Now, the sin part, certainly forgiveness is a part of that, amen? But that's the only thing we emphasize usually when we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel and we say, sin, you can have your sins forgiven, amen? And that's a great thing. And you know what? I love that part of the gospel. That's a big part of the gospel. I need the forgiveness of sins. I need the blood of Jesus. And we need to preach that, amen? But when do we talk about, hey, the gospel is also a, a, a liberating you from the power of death. And also liberating you from the power of Satan. That's an interesting thing to say as well. When's the last time you shared the gospel like that? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus means something. Amen? The burial is important too. You know, it's not just the death. I think we've emphasized the death. And it's not just the resurrection. It's the burial. And we're going to talk about that too. Okay? So stay, stay with me now. Amen? First point. Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil. Amen? Do you realize that sin, death, and the devil have no power over you? Then why do we sin? That's a good question. Because you don't get it, and I don't get that fact. The fact that we are liberated from sin. And we are liberated from death. And we are liberated from the devil. You don't understand that. If you understood that, you would be so much more righteous. You would, you would see sin as just, oh, like a, a mosquito in your life. Not something that, that you're drawn to. Amen? And yet, if we get this message, if you and I get this message, we're going to be different. We're going to be changed. We're coming out of this room changed. And so, I need to start with a prayer so that we can be changed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask you, this is an ambitious prayer, Father, but I know you are a God that can do it through your Holy Spirit. I pray for every heart right here. God, that we could be changed from the stuff we talk about today. And maybe it doesn't happen right away, or maybe it happens right now. But God, that, that, that the seed that's planted today would lead us to conquering sin, death, and the devil in our life. Help us to realize we've already conquered it, Father. God, that in many ways we're taking the victory lap. We've already won. God, do we walk around like we've already won? I certainly don't sometimes. And yet, God, I want to do it every day. I want to wake up saying, I've won. I've already won the battle. You know, if I was fighting a battle, Lord, that I knew I would win, how would I fight, Father? I would fight with absolute confidence, Lord. God, I want to drive out fear from our hearts, I, I pray through the word of God, 
and through the perfect love that's in Christ that you would drive out all the fear in this room, God, about death and about that devil whose time is short, Lord. God, I know Jesus looked at the devil and he was not intimidated one bit because he understood what the reality was. God, help us to do the same. Help us to be like Jesus on this earth and walk through it victoriously. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what is the gospel, church? The gospel is an announcement of good news, amen? And its announcement of good news means that when a king won, they would tell people, we have won, we have defeated Greece, we now have conquered that land, and the kingdom is, is expanding, we have won. And it changed people's lives in that community because then they could enter Greece without any issues under the Roman Empire. Amen. And so people would rejoice and they'd say, yes, what is the gospel? It is this good news that Jesus, our king, has won the battle and it's meant to change us, church. It's meant to change us and change the way we look at the world. Are you with me? You know, the Roman Empire conquered Greece. It changed everything. Then, when we come into Greece as Roman citizens, we look at this place differently. Amen? We walk in a little taller. We walk in a little more confident. We have less fear. We walk into these areas and we say, yes, it's a smart place. And yes, there's great philosophers, but we've conquered it. Amen? Now, how much more is this good news about Jesus? We have conquered sin, death, and the devil. What does the Bible say in Romans 16, 20? It says that soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You know, it doesn't make sense, does it? That my feet, that your feet, that the church's feet would crush Satan's head. But that's what the word of God says. Do we walk around saying, hey, I'm just practicing my stomp. You know, you know, that stomp dance, you know, you stomping. Do I do I walk through life like that? You know, how much fear is in this room? Fear can forever be gone because of this victory. Amen. What would it be like to have no fear in just one day? What would that be like, church? And you go, I'm not fearing. Why do we sin? We sin because we fear. We sin because we think that it, we need this idol in our life or else we won't be happy. That's a fear that we have. I love this uh, song. It's called, I love to tell the story. It's a, it's, a, it's a song. I don't know if, who's heard this song. I love to tell the story, you know, of, of Jesus, right? And his glory and his love, right? Um, I love to tell the story to be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. It's time to tell the story, church. To begin, prompted by Satan's envy, he was thrown out of heaven, cast out of heaven, and then he wanted to instigate and hurt God, and the way he hurt God is by hurting mankind, his beloved bride. Amen? So prompted by his envy, Satan is successful in bringing death into the world 
by deceiving humanity in the garden. And what did he say? He said, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from, your, uh, from it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And this is when we said, Satan, take me as your prisoner. That's what we did. We said, Satan, I am under your power now. And it's, we're still under God. But Satan, who didn't make anything, by the way, he didn't create anything. He's the most unoriginal He's the most uncreative person that ever lived. He has no creativity in his bone. He just takes what God has made and he twists it. And that's what he does. I am more creative than than Beelzebub. I am more creative than the devil. I have more God-like things in my soul than Satan will ever have. And I say that in Jesus' name. I say that with humility. But I say that to tell you the truth, that we give the devil too much credit. Why would we ever surrender to Satan? Where is he going? He's going to the abyss. He's going to the lake of fire. Why would I want to be his prisoner? Well, that's what Adam and Eve did. And guess what, Satan? I certainly won't die. He was right. He prophesied like that Pharisee long ago. That Pharisee who said, one man needs to die for the nation. Caiaphas. Even evil people prophesy sometimes. And guess what Satan said? You will certainly not die. And it's true, church. Ha ha. It's true. I certainly won't die. I won't die. Ever be die. But that's not the way I don't die. Disobeying God is not the way I don't die. But of course, in some ways, yes, we did die. And many people will die in their sin. But not me, because of Christ, amen? Not me. Genesis 4, uh, 4 speaks about how they, they went into the, the world and how the world got corrupted. And then John eight forty four says that, that Satan was a liar, not holding to the truth. He, for when he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. He wants to murder us. But because Christ came and conquered him and destroyed his work, we no longer have to fear. Amen? Mm-hmm. Satan was right. I certainly won't die because of Christ. Amen? Then, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Amen? Now, what was happening though, before this, now wielding death Satan now holds humanity in the bondage of our fear of death. He doesn't hold death in his hands. He holds the fear of death. Church, you understand that difference? Death is an entirely different entity. It's not, has, it has nothing to do with Satan, but the fear of it. You know, there's something about fear. There's nothing to fear but fear itself, Amen. And we, we, we walk around in fear. Even when we became disciples, we still have that fear in our hearts. And what do I mean by that? Well, you became a Christian, and so did the people come out of Egypt. But what happened to them? They were like, we're, we're going to starve here. We need to go back to Egypt. 
Think about this, church. We need to drive the fear out of our lives. Drive it out. Drive it out. Drive it out. Drive it out. And I don't even think you understand sometimes what I mean by that. I feel like sometimes I'm, I, I'm starting to get this and I think it's hard for you to get it because we've lived like this all our lives, church. A great example of this is in Shawshank Redemption. Who's seen that movie? That's an intense movie. And in the movie, there was an older gentleman who all his life, most of his life, he's been in prison and he gets released. And you'd think he'd be happy to get out of prison, but he is worried and fearful. And when people ask him, what's wrong? Like, aren't you happy you're out of prison? He says, I don't know what to do. And so he goes and unfortunately kills himself in the movie. And that's sometimes what happens to us. If we don't learn how to live the way that Christ taught us, we can be like that old man. We can kind of go, what do I do now? How do I live without this fear? I've lived this whole way. And that's what the church, and that's what sanctification is. And that's why we come to church, to hear the word of God. And that's why we have Bible studies. And that's why we persevere. Because soon, you'll have less fear than you've had today. Now wielding death, Satan holds humanity in bondage to the fear of death. Isn't it funny? The fear of death, the anxiety, death anxiety, church. And, and, you know, I guess I just want you to be in touch with that. Be in touch with the fact that Jesus, okay, gave us freedom from death. But when you sin, it's because you fear death. And I, 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 it's, it's very difficult to understand. But what I mean by this is it's not so much, oh, I'm fearful of death. You know, like a, like a very linear equation. Amen. It's more of a, an equation that breaks off, you know, in subparts. Can I get an amen from Ignatius, you know? Several different proofs, right? If I don't have this, I won't be happy. It, when I feel emotional, I don't know what to do except this. You know, anger, lust, fearfulness. When I feel afraid, I get faithless. When I get afraid, I do this. I need to look out for number one because who else is? You know, all these things attack us and that's what causes us to sin. Are you with me, church? You know, under his bondage, Satan continues to deceive us. He continues to tempt us. He causes spiritual and physical afflictions. You know, I'm a counselor, and I believe that the brain chemistry of someone is different when they're suffering from mental illness. But I also think there's a physical and spiritual world. And a lot of times we try to put them together, but they're not. They're separate things. What does the Bible say? You will be impacted by heaven, and heaven will impact you. And earth impacts heaven. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. So there's two worlds, church. There's two spiritual, there's a spiritual world and a physical world, and they affect each other. Kind of like Narnia, okay? They affect each other. And, and yet we think on just one level, the physical, or one level, the spiritual. Oh, this is bad, this is good. But physical and spiritual afflictions come from the evil one. They come from this death anxiety, amen? 
You know, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and the power and how he went around doing good and healing all who under the power of the devil. This is interesting. Who was he healing? Well, he was healing blind people. He was healing, he was healing people who had demons in them or, or we might say mental illness. He was healing people who had afflictions. Amen? And who, what does the Bible say? It, they were under the power of the devil. Not that if someone's blind, that means that they are evil. That's not what Jesus taught. What he was saying is that all these things came in because of the devil. You know, what's it say? What did he say? This is the worst thing that's ever said. After he says what he says to the snake, he goes to the man, right? And what does he say? Cursed is the ground because of you. We, we fly by that passage, don't we? Just, oh yeah, let's talk about what else happens. Cursed is the ground because of you. Do you realize our earth, and we even say this now, we control our earth. We, we essentially are you know, the people that steward the earth, right? And that's why we recycle and that's why we do all these other things and, and renewable energy. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It's cursed because of you, because of me. Because we brought, when we brought death into the world, we also brought death into the earth. And so that's why a new heaven and a new earth is going to be so amazing. A new heaven and a new earth, church. We're going to get into that later in a couple weeks. But I want to help you understand this. This one thing. That all the afflictions that have happened in this world is because the land is cursed. What would it be like if fruit didn't get rotten? What would it be like? If the leaves didn't fall, maybe we'd be a little sad about that, right? But the leaves fall and trees die. And, you know, we just had this windstorm and what happened? <sighs> you know, a bunch of power lines went out. Why? Because the ground is cursed. Why do tsunamis happen? Why do all these things happen? Hurricanes and floods and all these things. The end times, people say. Yes. And also the world is cursed. And so that is why we have these things that happen. Cancer, the earth is cursed. All these things have happened because of one decision. <laughs> That's rough, right? <laughs> he tried to throw out the gospel. Due to Satan's power, humans are vulnerable and in need of protection, in need of protection from the evil one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour to set humanity free from this bondage with all the moral, social, and ecological, psychological, spiritual, and physical afflictions, Christ is born into our world. He comes to share in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. For the reason, the Son of God appears to destroy the devil's work. Amen, church? To destroy the devil's work. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over, uh, over them by the cross. The powers and authorities. Who are these powers and authorities? Church? Demons. Yes. We're not talking about like, oh, I'm a Democratic. Those Republicans, man. <laughs> you know, or I'm a, a Republican. Those Democrats, those liberals. You know? 
I'm driving behind some guy from New Hampshire and he's got three different stickers, right? One of them says, get over it, we won. That's the first thing it says. The other one says, spade and neuter all liberals. So I'm kind of getting a flavor for this guy as I'm driving New Hampshire like, this is, I can just picture this guy in my head right now. But that's not the powers and authorities, amen? That's not the powers and authorities that we're talking about. He disarmed them, church. This is amazing. You know, this is an amazing thing. Um, let's go to 1 John chapter 3. You know, we're, are we okay, church? Are we doing okay? Are you with me? I'm like, I don't know. This is... This is hard stuff to grasp, and I'm trying to preach it simply, but spiritual things aren't always that simple. But this is a very simple passage that I think will help us. And maybe this is the scripture you hold on to. Amen? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. That's intense, huh? Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You know, I love that passage. The reason the Son of God appeared, a lot of us would say, because he wanted to forgive our sins. And yes, that is true. But you know what he came to do? To destroy the devil's work. And I don't know about you, but that fires me up a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah. All the work you did, Satan, has been destroyed. And he, you better believe Satan was so confused. He was like, who is this? Wait, this child is special. I got to kill it. Something's wrong with this child. It's the Messiah. I know the scriptures. I got to kill it. But then, oh, the angels protected him. And, 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 and it, divine intervention took him out to Egypt. And he was saved from that. Amen. We're about to talk about that in Christmas time, right? And then just imagine the epic standoff in the desert. He's walking through the desert and Satan knows. Here he is. How dare he come to my land? As a man? Who does he think he is to come to me as a fleshly being as a man? What's happening right here? I need to stop him. I need to make him sin. This is my chance. I'm going to kill God. I'm going to make him sin and he's going to be a public spectacle to everyone. I'm going to make him, I'm going to make him sin and, and all the angels will see, both demons and angels will see that I was right. He's a sham. And boy, he went after him in the desert. But he couldn't defeat our Lord. Our Lord was weak. Our Lord was 40 days fasting without water and food or maybe just water. He was so, you know, if, if I don't eat for one day, just, it's like temptations times 10. You know what I'm saying? You know, somebody cuts you off and you're like, <laughs> you know, but Jesus was doing it for 40 days and that's how powerful our Lord is. He said, Satan be gone. And he came to him in an opportune time, suspecting that the child of Mary and Joseph was someone special. He wanted to kill him. And for the next three years, Satan and Jesus confronted each other in the lives of suffering people. 
And that's what we do, church. When we meet someone who's not saved, when we meet someone who is suffering, we are confronting the devil and his work. It's powerful, isn't it? Well, I'm here to destroy the devil's work. What are you here to do? I'm here to destroy his devil work on campus. I'm here to destroy the devil's work in my neighborhood. I'm here to destroy the devil's work in my family. And now I have the great power to do it through Jesus Christ. Amen? What happened? In Jesus' name, demons were driven out. And they met together. And who won every time? Jesus. So who will win every time when we face people? Jesus. For the next three years, Satan and Jesus confronted each other. That's pretty intense, isn't it? By binding Satan on earth, Jesus shows that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated. Jesus drives out the prince of this world. Go to John, uh, John 12. This feels more like a midweek, to be honest. But amen. I got to... There's a whole other story that you, don't, you didn't really get to hear much of when you preached the gospel. I'm trying to teach you the whole gospel right now. I know that's kind of a weird thing. Now, we can still be saved, but, and I'm still learning the gospel every day. We don't really understand the complete understanding of the gospel. But the truth is, there's a lot to it. John 12, 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said, and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. I don't know about you, but that scripture... Where was that when I was reading the book of John? I didn't see that scripture, but now I do. Now the, you know, the prince of this world will be driven out. Church, we walk around sometimes like we're still in the Old Testament. We walk around like Satan still has power on this earth. Oh, that's Satan. He's doing so many things. Satan came after me. He tempted me and I, I couldn't resist. That's not a reality. That's not true, church. You can resist because he's driven them out like a, like, a, like a little fox, like a little coyote that's in your neighborhood. He drove them out. Get out of here. Get out of here with your lies. On the brink of defeat, Satan makes his move. So he's getting defeated every time, you know, the demons are coming in. What's happening? Jesus is driving out things. And Satan's like, I got to do something. I got to go into Judas, that greedy guy. I got him. I got one of his 12, and I'm going to make him betray him, and he's going to kill him. And the Bible says Satan entered Judas. I don't know about you, but that's so sad that Satan entered Judas. I mean, what does that even mean? I don't know. But Judas sold out Jesus, and then, obviously... He unfortunately didn't repent. He could have repented, amen? On the brink of defeat, Satan moves his move, entering the heart of Jews to betray Jesus. Fully aware of this, Jesus goes to Gethsemane to pray and wait for Judas. In accordance with God's plan, 
There, Jesus handed over and eventually crucified. But God raised this Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, that's what Satan didn't understand, that death can't hold Jesus. Evan, why don't you come up here for a second? So, what death was trying to do was take a hold of Jesus. And what did Jesus do, Evan? What did Jesus do? He broke, he broke out. Thank Evan for that, right? He was, I was like, well, he's really, I didn't tell him I was do that. But, um, <laughs> but I wanted to show you that death wanted to take its hold. And that's what death does. Death tries to take its hold of people. But Jesus, it couldn't hold him. And now that same spirit is in us. The same spirit that can't be held by death. Amen? You know, being raised from the dead, Jesus then disarms the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them. What does that even mean? I don't know what that means. But something happened publicly, maybe in the spiritual world, that changed everything. What did he do? He went down to the spirits long ago in the times of Noah and he announced, 1 Peter chapter 3, his reign. Hey guys! I'm, I'm back. What's going on? It's time to reign. It's time for the kingdom to reign. It's time for all that you have done, demons, to be destroyed. I already did it. I destroyed it. And now my followers are going to have that same heart. Amen? Now ascending into heaven, Jesus reigns and will eventually hand over the kingdom to God the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he puts his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed will be what? Death. I love that death is the last. Satan is already thrown, by the way. And so are the demons. Death. I don't even know what that's going to look like. But it's destroyed. I don't think death's an actual person. But... Death will be destroyed as the final enemy. When Satan and death are defeated and thrown into the lake of fire, the deathless new heaven and new earth will fully come and paradise finally restored. Go to Revelation. How are we doing, church? Revelation. Chapter 3. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 18. The Bible says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I love that. Now look, I'm alive. Forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He holds the keys of death and Hades. What do you do with keys? You open up things. Chapter 2, verse 7. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. 
Eden restored, church. And this is going to be a, a much better Eden. You know why? Because nothing unrighteous can enter it. What would it be like to not be tempted anymore? What would that be like? What would it be like? There will be no afflictions, no pain, no sorrow, no rotting, no decay. What would that be like? You know, I just want to encourage this church that this is happening. This is absolutely happening. This is going to be an event in time or out of time that will happen. But it's all because Jesus triumphed over death. Amen? You know, it says, I, I heard a loud voice from heaven throne. Look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dealt with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and they'll be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things that passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy, true. You know, an encouraging study would be, church, this week, to go through the seven churches, the letters to the churches in, 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 in uh, you know, Ephesus, to go through the, those, those last parts of it. He who does this, he who overcomes will get this. And just write down all the things that you will receive because of persevering. You know, perseverance is the key. To entering this land. And not everyone will persevere, unfortunately. But guess what, church? By God, I will. The question is, will you? Will you persevere? Will you walk around victorious? When Satan throws out his last thing, just like Jesus, he realizes, I got to do something. I, gotta, I, I got one more trick up my sleeve. I got four or five more tricks up my sleeve for Kendra. And, 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 but if that doesn't work, she's going to enter that land. And if I can throw out a... But she's also going to bring so many people to heaven. You know, when you fall away, so many things happen with that one act. Hundreds of people that you could have impacted are now not a part of your plan. Sometimes when I was a young Christian, I thought this. Man, I'm stinking at this Christian thing. Mike Fogarty knows when I was a young Christian, I, I was not the most stellar Christian sometimes. And I was on campus by myself, and I thought to myself, man, self, you're not so good at walking like Jesus. Maybe you should give up. Then another thing happened. What's going to happen to all the people that I could help know God? I might be a stinky Christian, but a stinky Christian is better than not being a Christian. <laughs> And the truth is, I didn't stay a stinky Christian. Amen? Sometimes I still feel like a stinky Christian, but less. Amen? Less. Um, let's talk about this last thing right here. We won. So, I, I, I tried to paint a picture, and that was the longest point of the, the sermon right there. The, the picture of what has actually happened in the cosmic world and how he's destroyed the power of sin, death, and the devil. Amen? So now, what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us? Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. What does that mean to us? And I'm going to get a little fired up, so i got to take this off. 
We get a little fired up. So let's 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 get let's get. Maybe I should just go to church like this. Would you guys be okay if I just came to church like this? I think I'm gonna start doing it because it gets sweaty when I start going. You know what I mean? It gets a little sweaty, and I really just. I want to start preaching with more passion. Maybe like, Glenn, you got a lot of passion. No, I, I feel like I want to get even more passionate because this is a really important point. And I feel humbled preaching it because I'm still learning this point as well. When you wake up in the morning, how do you, what's your perspective? Do you walk around like you've won? You know, I talked about Usain Bolt who, who won the hundred. And, and the, the fun he was after, the victory lap of after he won, he was doing this, he, was, he had the flag on his back, he was running around, and he was like, I told you, I told you, I told you, and he was telling everyone, he was telling everyone that he was going to win, and then he won. He pulled a Muhammad Ali. And he felt so awesome about that. But why should that Jamaican guy out-celebrate me and you? When it comes to our spiritual lives. We're taking a victory lap church. That's what we're doing. We've already won. And our life is now that victory lap. Have you ever won something? And the, who's won something before? I mean I think all of us have won something. And if you haven't raised your hand. We're going to find something for you to win. Okay. I've never won anything. You know. But, but the feeling you feel after you won is peace. Oh, I'm so glad that's over. Sometimes that's how I feel. When I won the high school championship, the state championship there, everything got slower. The volume went down. I looked at the score. It, it, we won. And I knew we won the state championship. And it was just peace and excitement. And I said, it's done. It's finished. And that's how we need to feel in Christ. Amen. I set an alarm now on my phone. I know I'm all about alarms, amen? But this is my alarm now, okay? 5.30 in the morning, okay? Today was 6, amen? But then it turned into 7. Yeah! You know what I mean? It turned into 7. Because it was 6, you know what I'm saying? This is what it says. Wakes me up in the morning and it says... The victory is already won, exclamation point. Now go. Now go. I can't read what it says. I wrote it down here. The victory is already won. Now go and fight. Because I have promised victory, and victory you shall get. Now that inspires me. You know that today I'm waking up and I'm thinking, I've already won. This battle is going to be won. And, and now I need to fight with that confidence that I've already won. You know, isn't the book of Acts, when you see the book of Acts, don't you feel like they're invincible, those guys? They just walk around like invincible and no one knows what to do with them. But like a couple, you know, a couple years before that or even 40 days before that, they were defeated. What changed? People say, well, they saw Jesus resurrected. Yes. But more than that, I think they changed their perspective of life. They changed their perspective on what it's all about. Church, you need to study this out because you need to realize you've already won. 
You've already won. The life is a victory lap. You know, if we repent and have been baptized, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have forgiveness and we have victory. Amen? You are the victors. You are the victors. You know, Ephesians uh, 1 verse 13, I'd say to turn to you, and you will, will be included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, I love this, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. Amen? I am guaranteed salvation, and so are you. I'm guaranteed victory, and so are you. Let's start living it, church. What would that mean for you? That would mean a lot more joy in my life. That would mean if I'm in, I'm in, I have a trouble or a challenge, guess what? I've already won. It's going to get worked out. It's all good. It's time to run that victory lap. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17 says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. That's what we are. We don't need to fight. We just need to stand firm and hold our position. That's encouraging too. When I reach out to people, I just need to stand firm with Jesus. I need to stand firm. You don't need to fight. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Monday morning, the Lord's going to be with you. Walk around as a victor. You know, I love the Chronicles of Narnia because they go from these little girls and little boys to kings and queens. Do you walk around like a king? Do you walk around like a queen? You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, Jordan Bishop. They, they call it King's College. I love that name, King's College. Guess what? You're a king. You're like, yeah, that sounds good. They don't call it Popper's College. <laughs> you know, they don't call it that. You know, they don't call it that. They call it King's College. How much more in the kingdom, church? Kings and queens I'm looking at. Victors. People that have already won. People that will soon crush Satan under their feet. You know, Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, we think that victory means there's no trouble. That it's easy. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when there is tribulation, when there is challenges, you have to think, I've already won. There's a confidence that we need to have. There's a swag we need to have, church. We need to have a, a, a Jesus swag. A Jesus swag that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome this because of Jesus. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For, who, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, I'm not greater than Satan. And even Michael the archangel did not, did not try to insult Satan when he appeared to him. Amen? He is powerful, but think about this. The one in me is a lot more powerful. Do you think about the one that's in you? 
Here's another thing, church. You died. You died in the waters of baptism. You were buried in the waters of baptism. Why? It's funny. In order to face fears, what do you got to do? You got to face them. You got to go after them, right? If you have a fear, you got to face it. What's our biggest fear, church? Death. Guess what? You already faced it. When you went in the waters of baptism, you died. Bring death on. You went in the water. You said, I'm, I'm not going to have this, this. I'm not going to be me anymore. I'm going to come out a new creation. Your new creations with God living inside of you. We can't forget that we died, church. So that when the death fear comes, we can remember death. I've already went through that. I already went through that. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to miss out. I'm not afraid of FOMO. <laughs> I'm not afraid of, 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 I need this little idol or else, oh no, what's going to happen? I don't need to look out for number one because I already won. Guess what? I only need to look to number one. That's God. I don't know about you, but this truth about our victory in Jesus gives me a much more different perspective when I go into the spiritual battle. If you were in the army and going to war, how much more at ease would you be knowing with full certainty that the enemy couldn't touch or harm you in any way? How would you feel knowing that you were going to win with 100% odds in your favor. That's pretty fired up. You know, I don't even know what that feels like. Because everything I do, I'm always thinking, I might lose. You know, if I go into a, a, a basketball game, I might lose. But if you have Michael Jordan on your team, you're probably not going to lose. Right? If I have a Kemalaju on or Shaq on my team, I'm probably not going to lose. I probably can say 100%, I'm not going to, unless Shaq just doesn't show up. But he's going to just dunk on people all over the place. And I'm going to be like. <laughs> but you know what? Jesus always shows up. He's the most reliable one. You know, as we watch the news and face personal struggles in our lives, never forget the truth. The battle is already won. Jesus is the king of kings and the enemy Already lost the war. No matter what the battle looks like at the moment, you can know with 100% certainty that the victory belongs to the people of God. No matter what the enemy tries to throw your way, trust in that battle that it's already been won in the name of Jesus. Let's end in, in, in Joshua chapter 10. This passage is kind of big for me because Joshua is an interesting book. Amen? I love the name Joshua. But I love the book because Joshua is similar to the book of Acts. And, and, and then Moses is similar to Jesus. Amen. He's the, the, the archetype of that, too. And he brought him to the promised land. And that's kind of like the gospel. You know, the new. The, and then and then Jesus, his name is Joshua. Joshua, you know, in Greek means Jesus. And so Jesus is conquering the land for his people. Pretty wild. And the same thing happened in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, they were conquering, church. Amen? They were conquering. Joshua 10, verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I've delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. How about this, church? The Lord said to Glenn, 
Do not fear Satan, sin, or death, or the demons, for I've delivered them into your hand. Not, a, not one of those demons will stand before you. God declared victory even before Joshua went into battle. Isn't that cool? Before he went into battle, the victory's already won. Now go and fight, knowing I have promised you victory. It's the same thing with Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. I'll be with you. You know, how much confidence did Joshua have, especially after you won all these battles? And church, we've won a lot of battles, haven't we? We've won a lot of battles. And God's shown up for us. And so this is just going to be like one of those things. You know, maybe you need to set an alarm. (laughs) So when you wake up, you can remind yourself you've already won. Christ has won, and therefore we have. It's time to start acting like it, church. If you don't walk around victorious, get help so that you can. We, we walk around like this. Oh, man, I shouldn't be doing this better. I should be doing that better. You shouldn't be doing anything. God's going to do it. Amen? You know, I want to start acting like this. I've won. I've won. You've won. You've won. The victory is ours. It's time to practice our stomp. You know, you might not think, okay, someday, what's that going to be like to crush Satan's head? Is that figuratively? Is that physically? I don't know. But we should do some stomping now. And so every time God wins a victory, just do this. People will think you're weird. Just go. (laughs) Hey, bro, would you do that? You have a tick, bro? No. I don't have a tick. Why are you doing that? Well... Just practicing my stomp. What are you talking about? You practicing your stomp? Well, every battle I fight, after I win, I go like this. Why are you doing that? Well, there's a little scripture in Romans chapter 16, <laughs> verse 20. It says Satan is going to be underneath this foot, so I gotta get my stomp going. You know, in the church, we need to hear that. We need to hear a lot more like that. You know, we need to start having that mentality, church. We're here to destroy the devil's work. We're here to finish what Jesus started. And then he's going to play cleanup, which will be fired up. As we're battling and we're fighting, all of a sudden we'll hear trumpets. And then, then the demons will shriek and it'll be over. But you know what? I want to get in the battle. I want to do some stomping. You know? Isn't it awesome when you, you you know, someone's fighting and then the little guy comes in. He's like, he's doing the fighting, you know? And the Lord of the Rings, you know, the little guys, the hobbits, they start going for it, you know? That's how I am. I'm a little hobbit, you know? And I'm I'm trying to have a good heart, you know, and swinging stuff. But really, I mean, you see the, the wizard, he's like, you know, the trees, they're just walking around, you know? Those are some more powerful things. I'll be that little hobbit. But even the little hobbit's got to get in there and mix it up. Let's mix it up, church. Let's, next time we feel discouraged, let's encourage each other with these words. Amen.